Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and hopefully this is working. We're broadcasting live right now to the YouTubes and Facebook, and I'm excited because we have a special guest. His name is Samuel Leeds, and a lot of you in the U.S. might not have heard of him, but almost everybody from the U.K. and around Europe has heard of him. This guy is a property investing beast, or as we'll say here in the U.S., he's a real estate investing beast. This guy, I was... uh, I didn't really know much about Samuel. He contacted me because he did something crazy when he came to the U.S. and flipped a deal while he was here. We're going to talk about that. But uh, I started looking at his YouTube channel, his Facebook, his Instagram. I was like, holy smokes, this guy is awesome. I like Samuel. And he's one of the most uh, prolific and uh, like in terms of deals and uh, one of the most sought-after educators and trainers in England. And I'm honored to have him on the show today. Let me first tell you guys, if you want more information about this podcast, we're going to have Samuel's going to be giving you some links and some websites and places you can go. We're going to keep all of that in the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, just when you pull over, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and then in the search bar, do a search for Samuel and you'll find this episode. You'll see the transcripts, the links, the references, and all of the show notes. Let me say one more thing in terms of an announcement. Please leave your reviews in iTunes. If you like the show, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, um, a bunch of others. If you like the show, give us a thumbs up and uh, say that you like it. Leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Cool. Samuel, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Dude, I'm absolutely stoked to be on your show. So thank you so much for having me. It's really good to connect. Guys, Samuel's got a real cool story I'm going to ask him to share in a minute. Um, but last time I was in England, Samuel, uh, my we brought our four kids. We have four kids. We, were, we flew into London. It was about um, a couple weeks before the Olympics. So what year was the Olympics in England? Oh, dude, don't, don't do this to me. I think it was 2012. <laughs> 2012, right? So about seven years ago, it's about about right. And uh, the the airport at Heathrow was insane. And uh, I was praying, God, just give us grace. Because uh, it, with four kids, jet lagged, we were stuck in customs forever. But we got through, spent some time in London. London's gorgeous. It's incredible. But we had been like three months in Prague in the city. We wanted to just get out in the country. So we went to Northern Ireland for a week and had just a blast. You guys have got some of the most beautiful countryside in England. And uh, you just recently, you posted some pictures of your new house, I think on Facebook. Uh, Is that right? Somewhere we were, um, we're renting. Yeah. Okay. I think you're on about the, that looked amazing. Yeah. Beautiful house. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so we loved England and I still have a lot of friends in England. I've done a couple workshops in Spain, teaching people how to flip lease options in England. And uh, it's a cool place. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. So not a lot of people, Samuel, know about you here in the U.S. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about your history, your story? How'd you get started in real estate or property? 
I started in property just over 10 years ago. And I, um, I, I don't know how I, I, I've just got back from the States. I'll, I'll probably, you'll ask me about a bit about the challenge that I was doing, but um, I bought my first house. It was a no money down deal. And it was just before the recession. So I'm not in the U S no, no, no. Well, because the recession was like worldwide. So yes, 2008, yes. everything crashed. Yeah. So the property market in the US, same as England. So my, my first house was just before the recession. And it was basically a property that I put in a family member's name because I was too young to get finance. But I effectively just bought it 100% finance and then rented oh. it out. So, and the way I did that was by negotiating to buy it below market value buying it on a bridging loan and then refinancing up to its true value. So it was, it was quite a creative deal. So I, I did that based on the back of going on a course, a training program. And I was, I was literally, you know, pretty much just fresh out of school. And that was my first house. And then the recession came. And in one sense, you could say I had everything going against me. Like when people come up with excuses now, you know, I can't do it because of this, that, the other. I, you know, I wasn't from a family of, of, of property investors. Uh, my dad was a, a, an entertainer and a gardener. My mom, a mobile hairdresser. I didn't have any money. I was too young to get a mortgage. I didn't have any particular knowledge about property apart from what I was just learning at the course. And it was just on the brink of a massive recession. So it was, you know, you could argue that everything was against me, but with real determination and a real reason, a real uh, almost desperation to be financially free because I really, really didn't want to work a job until I was 65 i just didn't want to do that so yeah so 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 i i began joint venturing and raising finance and doing i learned about lease options rent to rents all these different creative strategies and i guess i had nothing to lose sometimes people think oh if you're on a hundred thousand pound salary and you and you're a bit comfortable it's easy but actually i think it's really tough i meet people in their in their 40s and 50s who have got a, a wife to please, who's used to having two Range Rovers and three holidays a year, you know, sort of a big paycheck with four kids. And, and actually, they've got a lot to lose, so it's difficult. Whereas me, I was I was learning about property, but I had absolutely nothing to lose. So I just went, really went crazy, went for it, and, um, and, and I've just snowballed my portfolio. And now I've got a, a ridiculously large... Property portfolio, and I'm 28. I just bought a castle last year. Are so. you really 20, 28 years old? Yeah, 28. Yeah, I just turned 28. I was 27 last month. <laughs> I would have thought you're in your mid 30s, late 30s, or something. I don't know if that's a compliment. Is that because of my great wisdom? Hopefully. <laughs> well, just how much that you've done. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the success that you've had. Yeah. Uh, it's good. I've, you got did a- I've got 31 members of staff. Uh, we've got a very large property training company. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm building, I'm, I'm in the process of just building six houses from scratch on, on a piece of land that, that we got up in Lincoln. So, you know, really aggressively growing my, my property portfolio. But at the same time, I've got my training company and I do some, I just love making YouTube videos. Like I pretty much, pretty much most of what I do these days when I'm thinking I'll be driving and I'll just be thinking about what's going to be a cool project for a YouTube video? Like that's just constantly, and I just, I just love doing YouTube videos and vlogging. Every time I buy a house, I vlog it. So that's, and that's how I've become well known in, in, in the UK for my YouTube channel. So, um, uh, you know, some of my videos have really gone crazy. You did some crazy things. One of the things I liked about your videos, Samuel, is you did one of them where you pretended you didn't have any money yeah. And you gave yourself a deadline. You locked yourself in a hotel room pretty much, right? And uh, 
I didn't pretend to have no money. I just locked myself away and shut myself out of my bank and literally had no money. You had no money. You took it yeah. all away. You yeah. removed your access to it. You yeah. had your camera guy follow you around. And how, did you have a deadline of how quickly you had to do a deal or something like that? Kind of, yeah. So I had 50 pounds in my pocket and I had a hotel room booked for seven days. And after seven days, if I hadn't made any money, I would have just been um, on the streets. So it, it was it was a case of, you know, make it or, or make or break sort of thing. And um, the idea was to try and make a deal happen from, um, from, from, from nothing apart from my knowledge. This was so cool. I mean, this, these videos were really well done. You had this guy following you around. I felt like I was watching something on, uh, you know, like a documentary on TV or something like that. And uh, it was like down to the wire. You were building the tension and the stress and like, oh, no, I got to hurry up and do a deal. Your, your wife was nervous and worried for you. Like, what's going to happen? And she cried. She cried quite a lot. <laughs> so, okay, uh, talk, talk about what you did. Like, you were yep. in, you, you took away everything. How did you find a deal? How long did it take? And, and did okay. you, you, you talk about yeah. that. So what happened was, uh, well, I actually went to some like property networking events and stuff because I think the first, when you're starting out from scratch and you've got no money or anything like that, oh, Brutus Empire, great to have you here, man. I, I recognize that name. Um, the, the, the first thing is to get yourself in the right places. So to get down and, and you know, get in front of people, meet other investors. So I went down to some property events and I was, I was calling oh. agents. Booking <laughs> this is funny because you, you were trying to hide yourself. So you were wearing costumes. I had to be in disguise because then people would have said, oh, it's only because you're well-known in England. People did the deal with you because they knew who you were. So I had this, this wig and, the, and glasses. I went by an alias name of Lucas Ruby. And uh, obviously, um, you know, a different name. So I went to this property event and I was undercover and I was trying to like talk to people. And I was trying to network and stuff. But the, the, the event organizers recognized me through the costume and threw me out. And they got so freaked out. They thought I was trying to sabotage their event or something. I don't know what they thought. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, it's a microphone and it was awful. But anyway, what, the, what I did was I managed to find some apartments for rent. And the, the, the uh, apartments were owned by a developer who I spoke with, and this was in Sheffield. And I said to the owner, I said, if I was to give you a guaranteed rent of X, would, would it be okay if I take it on as a corporate let and, um, and, and put my ass? Uh, so there's a few checks and stuff I had to do on that, on that front. And then the idea was that I would put the property on Airbnb um, and, and, and booking.com and rent the property out almost to like as a hotel. We call this yeah. rent service accommodation. I don't know if you do it in the States. Mm -hmm. um, that was the concept. So I found two deals. And I was like, boom, shack it. I got my two deals. Uh, I, I ran my numbers and I worked out that from these two deals alone, I would be financially free all over again from scratch. However, there was a big problem. And the problem was that I needed some upfront cash to pay the landlord upfront to furnish the property, just general stuff. It wasn't a lot of money, but I needed some quick cash. So what I did was I just told the, uh, the landlord and the, and the agent, yeah, I want the deal. I'll get the money to you in a couple of days. And then... I found a HMO and some below market value deals and I basically wholesale flip them. Whatever You call it wholesale. In England, it's a little different what we tend to do. We call it deal packaging, whereby we find an opportunity. We then find an investor and then we pass the opportunity, the deal onto the investor, but charge an upfront fee. So I did that. I made do eight. It, do, do you call it sourcing, property sourcing or packaging? Yeah, property sourcing or deal packaging. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so I did that. I made eight thousand pound cash, and my videographer who was who was filming this was freelance. He was also a referee. He was like a little skeptical. So he was refereeing the whole thing. Every time I did business with anyone or made any money, he would interview them and check. Did you did you like, find out if they knew who I actually yeah. was? It was all done completely like legit, and I made eight thousand pounds cash. Boom! In my new Lucas Ruby bank account. Lucas Ruby Limited. And then with the £8,000, I then took on my two apartments, which are still today doing really well. I'm renting them out. I'm making good income off them. And it was literally just from scratch. And the whole thing happened in seven days. And that video went viral. That video just went crazy and gave so many people so much hope. Oh, yeah. I loved that video. I mean, and... uh, Joe? uh, Yeah, I I thought, well, I'd never heard of you. And then um, we, we were exchanging messages on Facebook a little bit. By the way, uh, you sent me a friend request, and I replied, but you're at your 5,000 limit. So you need okay. to, uh, you need to kick somebody out of your friendship circle so you can let I'll delete, me. My, I'll delete it from, the, from my Facebook friend. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So that was such an inspiring video, and uh, I was encouraged by that, and I even shared it on my Facebook oh, because you. I thought, <clears throat> this is uh, – this is somebody that I, I could tell you were a teacher because, you know, you, you, you educate and you help people and people recognized you at that real estate club meeting or whatever. But you're actually out there doing it, the stuff, which is so important in the, these days, isn't it? There's so many people that are teaching it from things that they've done five, ten years ago but aren't currently yeah. active in the business yeah. today, right? I agree. Yeah, I agree. So uh, one of the things that uh, we've been doing as well is, is with – through lease options, turning them into Airbnbs. And I'm sure it's exploding and doing really well in England right now. But in the U.S., it's also been doing really well where before, you know, like if you were to package a deal together as a lease option, put somebody in the house, you might make three or $400 a month in cash flow. If you turn around and do an Airbnb with it, you can make $1,000, $2,000 a month in cash yeah. flow. So are you seeing the same thing right now in England, uh, taking properties, instead of just renting them out, but turning them into vacation rentals? Is that working for you right now? And, and, and how long is it going to be working, Samuel? Great. Really good question. It's working very, very, very well right now. It's quite unregulated in the UK. So you don't need to have a license. You don't need to. There's, there's very little regulation around it, as long as you've got consent from the mortgage company to do it. Um, and also, if it's an apartment, you need you need a permission from the lease. But it's it, it, it's very unregulated. HMOs are something that I do, and that's very regulated. Whereas serviced accommodation is very unregulated. I suspect it will probably get more difficult, and it will probably regulations will come in. Then also, as more and more people are doing it, um, it's of course gonna it's gonna mean that there, there's more supply. There's always going to be demand. So. I think it's not maybe at the moment you can do it. Oh, I'll just rent an apartment and rent it out, serviced accommodation on Airbnb and make a load of money. I think what maybe down the line, even now I'm seeing it happen. You need to be a bit more careful about the area you choose and make sure that there's a real strong, healthy demand. But no, it's it's, it's great. And I, I mean, just you know, this this challenge that I did was only a few months ago, and my, my apartments are renting out really well. And the cool thing is, is you don't even need to own the property. Or even have like a, an option to buy it or anything. You can literally just rent yeah. it off the landlord and then rent it this way. And people will say, "Well, why doesn't the landlord just do it himself?" Well, the the obvious answer is because he doesn't know how. And mm-hmm. knowledge is everything in this business. People think, "Oh, you need a lot of money. Money helps, 
but you can have money, but without knowledge, you're screwed. But if you have knowledge, you have money. So how long will it work for? I don't know. But I think that you've got to make hay while the sun shines, you know. But at the same time, a table needs more than one leg. So <laughs> make hay while the sun shines. But what I, what I encourage my students to do on my YouTube videos is the profit that you're making from the uh, cash flow, save it up and put it into some slow pound stuff, i.e., you know, buy to let or whatever. Yes, yes. One of the things that's working well now in um, in the U.S., I'm seeing this, and, I, and I'm curious if you are too, with Airbnb, you don't have to do Airbnbs in the, in the popular vacation areas of your city. You can do them in the smaller towns, in the more blue-collar, working-class neighborhoods. We're, we're going next weekend to a small little town in Iowa called Ankeny, Iowa, and not a lot of people have heard of that. But, you know, I got four kids and we're bringing our new dog that we just got. So we can't stay in a hotel. Guess where I go? I go to Airbnb. And this is a little town. It's, it's maybe half hour, 45 minutes north of Des Moines, Iowa, which is the capital, right? But here's yeah. the thing. We found it's hard to find anything out there. We found a four-bedroom house, uh, maybe three-bedroom, $200 a night. 200 bucks a night. Why? Yeah. Because there was nothing else out there. Yeah. This guy can get away with charge. So there's still, you may think like, oh man, I can only do Airbnbs in the expensive areas or the touristy areas. That's not true. There's a lot of opportunity in the areas where it's smaller town, uh, in the blue collar working class areas, because people are, are, are going and looking, instead of going to the hotels, they're going to Airbnb and they're looking for places that they can stay for a few days and have their own kitchen, right? Right, it's so true. And I think there's two, when you're doing a, a, a deal like this, which is going to be an Airbnb or Booking.com deal, uh, we call it serviced accommodation. There's two things that you need. Number one is you just need to make sure that you've got the, the right permissions and, and all the legalities. Everything's good and everything's done properly and legally. Number two is you need to make sure that there's a demand. And how you find out if there's a demand, if there's hotels in the area, <laughs> then a demand. Yeah. And, exactly and the way, right. The way to know how strong the demand is, is to just try and book the hotel. And if you can't ever book the hotel because it's always full, then it's like, boom, shaka. But you, you should just just look, speak to the I, – I even did this right now. I'm in my home in Litchfield. And in the whole city of Litchfield, it's not a big city, but it is a city, there's only two hotels, and they're both always full. <laughs> so I'm thinking, actually, I might – I might as, as, as an investment area, I don't think Litchfield is great, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it'll work. For service accommodation, so that's well, the, the cool quite. thing. The, the cool thing too is that um, uh, there's less regulation in those smaller towns, isn't there? Well, when I was in New York, I couldn't do it. They were, yeah. they, they were so restricted, you know, with the rules and stuff. But then I moved slightly outside, ended up in uh, New, Jer- New Jersey, Philadelphia, only an hour and a half. But suddenly, I mean, I mean, Philadelphia is a different state. So <laughs> it was just oh. okay. So yeah. I want to talk about this. This is so cool. Yeah. What Samuel did, guys, he went, he's got a big social media following in England, right? And by yeah. the way, it's getting dark outside. So if I lose the internet, we'll get back on here in a minute. How does the rain- power affect the internet? How can it go dark and then you lose internet? It doesn't make any sense. I didn't get high speed internet because I'm out in the suburbs, you know, about 45 minutes from the city, but I'm out in the sticks and uh, we didn't get high speed internet till about a year ago. Okay. So it's still, still we're still kind of spotty. Anyway. Um, so Samuel has a big social media following and he goes on Facebook live 
And he just had a harebrained idea. He said, I'm going to go to the United States. He's at the airport. Oh, not quite what, sure. what is it? <laughs> so after I did my financial freedom challenge in England. Yes, yes. yes okay. There was, people, there, was, <laughs> there was people in different countries saying, you could never do that in my country. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. You can never do that in my country. So I said, okay. So I went to an airport near my house. I got a Facebook live out and I said, where do you want me to go, folks? Wherever the most, whoever says the country the most, like whichever country comes up the most, I'll just, I'll just fly there. So I didn't plan on going to America. But okay. Facebook live video, the States was coming up more than any other country. The second one was Australia and the third one was Germany. So I was wow. like, okay. so I literally just there and then went to the States, jumped on a plane I got an Esther at the airport and people were saying, can you do that though? Do you not need a working visa? I'm like, I don't know. But sometimes you just got to just step out and see what happens. I didn't, I didn't tell everyone I was going to succeed. My plan was to go and deal in a foreign country with no money. I didn't know if I was going to succeed or not. I could just going to try it. So that was the difference. The difference was I didn't go to the States. I went to an airport, not knowing where I was going because I was, I'm very happy to go anywhere because I believe that when you have the knowledge and you're a property entrepreneur that has the knowledge, I believe that it, it the skills will pretty much just about work anywhere. But oh, that's awesome. Themselves. They just restrict themselves, you know, to that, to that country. So did you have your camera guy with, go with you and, and film it? Yep. The whole time. Okay. He literally filmed me while I was sleeping. <laughs> All right. So where did you fly into the U S I flew into New York city. Okay. And um, what did you do? The whole, I mean, the um, the actual footage, you can, you can see it on YouTube, but I got to New York City and I just started stopping strangers in the street in New York City saying, talk to me about the property market here. You know, do you buy or do you rent? Do you own or do you rent? How much do you pay? And I was just literally doing that. Then I was just started make, making phone calls to estate agent brokers, real estate brokers saying, can I meet you as soon as possible, please, to discuss your properties that you're selling? And I just got loads of viewings lined up in properties um, in New York, in New York City, in New York, in New York. But I very quickly realized that New York was going to be really tough because lease option agreements, the way I do them, you need motivated sellers, particularly people that have got negative equity. In New York, they are not motivated, and there is not negative equity because the the market is just absolutely it's it's, it's, it's like London; it's just crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. rent to rents you can't do it it's not allowed in new york i didn't know any of this i had to figure out while i was there um they, they have like a, a rule a rule within new york city where you can't do it and i just realized that my strategies weren't going to work in new york now people in new york would say oh i live in new york and the strategies don't work but the thing is there's a reason that we have cars <laughs> so i just drove a little bit outside i went to staten island then new jersey then philadelphia frantically viewing loads of houses, knocking on doors, talking with uh, real estate brokers and solicitors, going crazy. This is how I connected with you because I was just Googling mm-hmm. options, all lease options legal in the States because I didn't even know if they were legal or not. <laughs> uh, is rent to rent legal? In, I'm just Googling all this stuff because I, I don't know if it's legal or not. Your name popped up and I, I thought, oh, Joe McCall. And it says, uh, Joe McCall, lease options, blah, blah, blah. I just jumped on Facebook, messaged you. Hey, I need to chat to you. And you got I, back I, I'm, too late. I, I know I'm kicking myself because it was a week later. Yeah. Um, 
I think you, you're, 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 you're like assistant maybe message me and just says something like, um, Joe's very busy, but he'll get back to you in due form. <laughs> 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 so anyway, so Sorry I Sorry about that. <laughs> no, man, you know what? I, I'd, I'd probably be the same if someone messaged me, some crazy person from, from the States messaged me while I'm in England. But I ended up negotiating a deal in Philadelphia, which was a lease option agreement deal, which is basically a no money down deal. And um, it was incredible. And you can you, you can see the whole negotiations and how I structured the deal and everything like that on YouTube. But it was insane. And uh, put it out there. And the cool thing is, even a guy that I just saw on this channel, I think his name was Brutus. I saw yes, his name. Uh-huh. He, oh, there he is. Knowledge is key. This is him. I believe, and he can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but he said, because he's been following you for a while, he's, re- he's been following me. I went to the States and did a lease option agreement. There are people, and he's one of them, who are now getting lease option agreements and doing deals, normally down deals and stuff, as a result of watching these type of... Hey, look, he says, yeah. So, Brutus, congratulations on your, uh, on your lease option agreement, man. That's epic. Okay, so- people, you know, saying, oh, my gosh, I just did the same thing now after watching you do it. So, yes. and, and a lot of people credit you as well. I've seen a lot of people credit yourself because there's, there's, so there's so few people that teach. There you go. Because just it's- did first lease option deal. Boom. Good man. I've had like four people message me in the last week from yeah. the States saying, I've just done a lease option or I've just done a this or I've just done a that as a result of watching the video in the States. They're possibly the same people that would have moaned a few months ago and said it only works in England. It doesn't only work in England. I mean, of course, there's different rules in different countries and you've got to be careful and you've got to know your stuff. But there's always there's you can you can count the things you can't do or you can count the things you can do. Okay, so this deal you got, you found a motivated seller. Yeah, you got it under contract. How did you get the contracts? What contracts did you use? I, I basically did it as a little bit of a joint venture. So I found somebody who was a, a real estate broker. Um, I, I found the deal. Then I found a real estate broker who uh, knew, knew knew of the deal and that. And I did it as a lease option agreement. But I said I want the capital appreciation, but I'll give you all of the cash flow if you just saw everything. <laughs> Because I knew I was going to be going back to England. I didn't want the headache or the hassle. Mm. Yeah, uh, was, yeah, yeah. So, so it was a really good, really good for him, really good for me. Everyone was happy, and I didn't put a penny down. Did you find a tenant buyer to live in the house before you left? No. Okay. Not a tenant. So, 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 you guys, you guys do tenant buyers like? Do Do you even understand, Joe? Do you understand? That what I mean, because when I think when when the people in the states say a lease option agreement, and when I say a lease option agreement from England, I think that they mean different things slightly. Well, maybe I, there is a Tell lot of similarities. Tell me what it is. What's a lease option agreement? A lease option agreement is where you find a seller, and you 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 come to an agreement to lease their property for a couple of years with an option to buy it in the future. Okay. So right. why do you need? Why do you need a tenant buyer? Why can't you just put a normal tenant in? Well, you could certainly, and uh, but most people they'll do what's called a sandwich lease option, right? So we have the A to B, mm-hmm. where we have an agreement with the seller, and then we have the B to C, where we we will rent you it. Make, you guys make it so complicated. Ah, <laughs> what a B to C and X to Y? What? Okay, there's there's two different ways to do it. I wrote a book on that. We call it, 
I call it wholesaling lease options. And I think this is oh, what you do. Got another spanner in the works. Now, mate, mate, this is why I wanted to talk to you while I was out there because everything <laughs> I was Googling was so confusing. Let me tell you what a lease option agreement is to me. And you tell me if it's the same. Maybe you've just got, maybe, maybe you make more money. I don't know. You might make more money doing it. <laughs> but I'm loving this convo. I'm loving this convo. So for me, a lease option is this. You buy a property now and you pay for it later. So yeah, you, that's a different way. To, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you buy it now, you pay for it later. You take own, you take control of it. You rent it out. You pay the landlord his mortgage payments or, or, or a small fee, and then anything left over when you rent it, you keep that cash flow. And then down the line, you have the option to buy it, and the, you you hope that the value has gone up. So you've made the, you've made rent each month and capital appreciation. If it hasn't gone up, and you're like, oh, I don't want to buy it, you have the option, not the obligation, but he has the obligation. Yeah, so that's the lease option. But but then wholesaling and sandwich lease option agreement, all that stuff is foreign to my Well, what you just described, I would call a sandwich lease option. Okay. Okay. So you're I'm staying in the middle and I'm collecting the difference in rent. A sandwich. I'm gonna, yeah, right. so I'm st I'm staying in the middle like a sandwich. You're making me feel hungry though. I did I did a sandwich. That's what I did. I did a sandwich lease option. But then okay. what would I do? Gave the, I gave someone else the monthly cash flow. He, I did at least a sandwich lease option, and then he almost did a rent to rent on my sandwich lease option to relieve me of the headache. So yeah, then you made the money from the the tenant who lived in the house. They put down a deposit, right? There was no or, tenant. It was an empty house. It was an empty house. The mortgage was fifty nine thousand pounds. Fifty nine, yeah, fifty nine thousand pound. He had it on the market. Was it fifty nine? Was it sixty nine? Sorry, sixty nine. Sixty nine thousand. He had it on the market for 75 and I worked out if he sold it for 75 by the time he pays his fees and stuff, he's going to be left with nothing. He's yeah. all the money is going to go straight to the mortgage pack, mortgage, the mortgage company. Mm -hmm. So if I just say to him, Hey, look, you're struggling to sell it for 75. And even if you got what you wanted, you'd make nothing. How about I'll just take it on and I'll buy it off you for 75 in five years time. And in the meantime, give you X a month. How much rent spread were you making? So you have the mortgage payment was what? And what was the rent that you're collecting? The mortgage payment was 191 pounds. So we said we'll pay him 200 pounds a month. And then the rent would be somewhere. I, 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 there's not, I don't believe there's a tenant in there yet because I've literally got back from the States only a couple of weeks ago. So it's still, we're still going through all the, all the contracts and stuff. But the, the rent will be somewhere between 800 and 1,000. And we're paying him 200. So the cash flow is really good. Now, wow. just for anyone that's watching and thinking, for anyone that's watching that's thinking like it's unethical, like, oh, why would, you know, why wouldn't he rent it out himself? Or, you know, part of my strategy is I always tell the landlord, I always say, your best option is to rent it out yourself. You know, that's your best option. And only when they say, I don't want to do that, I don't want to be a landlord, I exhaust all the options first and then give them this as, as like a, a last resort. So, yeah, so that's good. pretty good. So the cash flow is going to be pretty good. But, but as I said, what I did and call me crazy, but I, I sacrificed 100% of the monthly cash flow because I've passed it on to um, a wholesaler out there. And I've said to him, look, you can keep all of the cash flow, but I want you to just manage it and deal with it because I don't really care about the cash flow. But I have the option to buy it for 75 in five years and the market is trending. So I'm thinking I'll probably end up making a whole lot of capital growth out there in, in five years time. So that's, that's basically, I have the, I have the, almost the benefit because in, in property, you get paid twice. You get paid in cash flow and you get paid in capital appreciation. One pays the bills and one gets you rich.
So yeah. So the way we do it, we give the option to buy to our tenants. Yeah. But you keep the property and you just put a regular tenant in the property. Which is is, yeah. is back on. Yeah, that's correct. So it's a little. When I was talking to people about these options, though, when I was in the states, I was saying like I was talking to people. I might be speaking with um, you know, a solicitor or a uh, a broker, and I'd, I'd tell them what I'm doing, and they'd go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I understand lease options." But then when I started to do it in practice, they'd be like, "Whoa, it would almost free." I think it's people's understand. But now well, you've called, called it a sound lease option. Maybe that's what I should have said, and they would have understood. Well, you, you, I like your approach to it is a little simpler. The language you use is a little simpler in some ways. But one of yeah. the strategies that I like to do, what allowed me to quit my job back in 2009, is I would find a seller that had a property that um, didn't have much equity or didn't even have much cash flow in it. And mm. I would get it under a lease option contract. And then I would just sell that lease option contract or assign that contract to a tenant who was going to take my place and then I stepped away completely out of the deal. And yeah. I would make anywhere, you know, five to 10 grand, sometimes three. Um, yeah. But I'd make about $5,000 on that. So that's what I call it, a wholesaling lease option or lease that option makes assignment. Sense. Yeah. Another thing that you can do as well is um, in five years time, and I have the option to buy it for 75. If it's doubled in value, let's say, let's say it's worth 150. And I'm like, boom, and I've got 75,000 man equity. Rather than buy it for 75, I can then sell it for 150 and just keep the and keep the profit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm because because people get stressed out. People are like, oh, but you know, it's not no me down because in five years you're gonna have to buy it. But no, no, I don't have to buy it. In five years, I have the option to buy it for 75. But if it's any, if it's gone up more than that, I can just keep the difference, or mm-hmm. I can just buy it for 75 and then refinance it. Like the world yeah. is your oyster when you've got a, a 75 grand property that's worth 150. Well, that's the great thing about options, lease options, is they give you a lot of flexibility. There's different mm-hmm. things you can do with it. You know, you can keep it and put it, make it an Airbnb. You can mm-hmm. put a tenant in there and just rent it out. You could sell your lease option to the tenant and then, yeah. uh, then walk away. Um, or you could actually maybe just rent it out for five years. If there's enough equity at the back end, you actually buy it, hold yeah. on to it. Uh, yeah, that's great. It's we 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 like to say here it's control without ownership. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, billion percent. I mean, I, we we're a bit obsessed in the UK with owning things, but I, you know, I, I regularly say this on YouTube: the most successful companies they control rather than own. Like Amazon don't own their stock; they control it. Yeah. Uber don't own their taxis; they just control. They just control. Um, loads of loads of massive massive companies they don't own; they just control. That's good. One of the reasons why I will put a tenant buyer in the house, because um, sometimes I, in order to pass on the responsibilities of the maintenance and repairs of the property, mm. I don't want just a regular tenant in the house. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, want somebody yeah. who, wants, who wants to buy it in the future and is going to take care of the maintenance and repairs of that, right? That, that, so, that, makes, perfect sense. that makes perfect sense. I'll tell you something as well. Anyone that's watching this who's maybe thinking it sounds too good to be true, because it, it kind of does sound too good to be true. I mean, it blows your mind a little bit when we're taught all our lives that we have to work really hard, save up all our money, and then when it's big enough for a deposit on a house, we buy our, uh, our house, which is the biggest investment you'll ever make. And then we're talking about, oh, you just control this property and you can do these things. And it, it, it can sound a little bit too good to be true. But I'll just say, even myself, who's got all the experience, uh, I've been in the game for, for, for over a decade, all the knowledge and stuff like that. When I was in the States, 
I got a lot of rejection before I got my deal. You know, I got a lot of rejection, and you can you, you can literally on, on on the on the video. You should watch it if you've not already seen the. the oh, yeah, um, the, yeah. You know, I, I get doors slammed in my face. Uh, I get told no, 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 time and time again. Um, you know, quite some people get really quite uppity and stuff. So it it's it kind of um, you know, it, it is possible, but of course it takes it takes work. You've got to be prepared to to to, to get a no. And people say, oh, it doesn't work, you know, because. I tried it. Well, what did you actually do? I made three phone calls and spoke to one person. Come on. You know, you can't say it doesn't work after making three calls and speaking to one person. You've got to really, you got to speak to a hundred people. And, and even on the first day of my challenge in the States, I made over a hundred, I had 112 phone calls. Wow. And I only spoke to nine people and getting voicemail after voicemail, after voicemail, after voicemail, you know, was, I was losing the world to live. It was so depressing. And, um, and I was so bummed out and I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm, I can't get hold of anyone. It's really depressing. But then the following day, some of those people that I'd got through to voicemail started phoning me back and it, it, it began to pick up. So it just takes perseverance and hard work, which I think a lot of, uh, well, a lot of missing in, in, in people's actions. I've often said the three M's to success in this business is marketing, momentum, and mentor. Mm. Marketing is the foundation of everything, right? You've got to plant the seeds. You've got to throw out the marketing. But it takes time to build that momentum. So many people get impatient, don't they? Yeah. Of like, if I don't get a lead now, if I don't get a deal now, it's, it doesn't work. But the momentum builds slowly as you're consistently marketing. The momentum mm. starts to grow. And then, you know, give it a couple months, three months, and that those, the deals that you start doing are not from the new leads that came in. They're from the leads that came in from before Absolutely. that you've been following up with. I was just talking to one of my students today, Dustin, in San Diego. He's doing deals in... Oklahoma right now. And uh, the, the deals, he's averaging about five deals a month right now. And these deals that he's doing right now have been from at least the last three to six months of follow-up, right? Just mm. continually calling and texting yeah. and emailing, sending yeah. letters and doing that follow-up. Taking, building that momentum, right? Absolutely. And what was the third M? Mentoring. Mentor. Yes. Get a mentor. mentor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, real quick. Oh, yeah. Next time, Samuel... I want to challenge you to not come to the U S you can do all of that over the phone super mm-hmm. easily. Like, yep. you know, it's important to go see the house if you can. But uh, when I was in Europe, when we were living in Prague and traveling around Europe for three months, we even did this while we were traveling around the U S in an RV for three months, we did all of our deals over the phone without ever even seeing the house. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of marketing. We do a lot of text messages we, uh, we send a lot of direct mail and text messages. One of the cool things about investing in the U.S. is we have an easier time pulling data from public records. Oh, um, man. In terms it's of- like heaven. It's like paradise in the States. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that to begin with. It took, me a, it took yeah. me a couple of days to figure it out. And then I'm like, you can just see the addresses of the houses for sale. And you can literally and see who owns them, who owns it and how much they paid for it. And you can find the homes that are in negative equity and target them. I'm like, wow, if this was in the U.K., if this was yeah, yeah. Day, like my goodness, but again, it goes back to you just got to take the take the cards you've been handed and 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 make as much money as you can. Like in the UK, there's advantages. In the US, there's advantages. I'm sure in South Africa, in Germany, in Holland, there, there's always there's always pros and cons of every country, and you just got to take the pros and run with it. I love what you did, man. That is so cool. Um, I think it's inspiring. I get because. One time, Samuel, I had two students in the same city complain within two days of each other 
One student was saying, there's not enough sellers here. I can find tons of buyers, but no sellers. The other student in the same city says, I can find tons of sellers. I can't find any buyers. This doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Same city within a couple of days of each other, right? I think it's all a matter of perspective. Like you, yeah. you just came here and you said, I'm going to figure this out. I don't care, you know, like how many times I have to fail. I know there are deals here and, and uh, I'm not going to be, I, I don't know if I could have done what you just did. That's, that's crazy, right? But like you just were determined to make it happen and uh, it worked. So people got to stop making excuses, don't, don't you think, Samuel? Yeah. Oh, man, that, that is the reason that I, I, I keep doing these challenges. I just keep doing them just to pull the excuses from within the people's feet so they can, you know, and, and yeah. when you do that, it's what happens when you take excuses away from people, they either react one or two ways. Number one is they just get angry or upset because it's like, how dare you take away my comfort excuse because it challenges them. Or number two is they just pull the finger out, get to work and get some results. And seeing the success of people, I mean, there's people in England making headlines in the newspapers just for, for, for their outrageous success, just from a result of watching my YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And the satisfaction that that gives me, you know, putting stuff out for free, people watch and then become financially free is just super rewarding. And I think um, success is, is great, but significance is even greater. Wouldn't you say you get more excited seeing your students do deals than doing deals yourself? Potentially, yeah, because, you know, you, your first deal is always your hardest deal. So my first deal in the States was really hard. If I went back, I'd probably be able to do three or four deals in a week. So yeah. it's always the hardest. So today, if I do a deal, it, it's not really a big deal. It's just, okay, I've completed on the house today. It's no big deal. Whereas if one of my students does a, does a deal, it's a real big deal. So for me, it, because it's a big deal for them, it becomes a big deal to me. So, yeah, I do get more excited about it, unless it's a massive deal for me. Like like when I bought my castle last year, geez. That was, um, for me, that was a real big deal because it's it's a multi-million pound project. So, uh, but just, yeah, depends on the deal. But I love, I get, I get real um, excited, yeah, seeing people do well, seeing people's minds changed and seeing people get out of their jobs. And I think there's a rippling effect as well because people usually, especially if people have got a real good reason for doing it, if people want to become financially free so they can then go and, you know, set up charities and be with their family and all really good stuff. And then you can help them do that and then they can then live the life they want and then inspire others to, to do the same. And it's like a, a rippling effect, making the world a better place. As cheesy as it sounds, it's good. No, it's good. How can people find you? Uh, what's your YouTube channel? Do you have a website? And, and things yeah, like I that? have a website, um, which is property-investors.co.uk. But probably best is to just put my name into YouTube. That's probably the best thing to do. Good. YouTube is really where it's at for me. So, uh, and obviously on Instagram and all that stuff. So if you just put Samuel Leeds in YouTube and then just check out some of the videos, there's videos on, on um, buying properties, on renting properties, on lease options, on deal packaging, all kinds of stuff. And I also interview like every, every week I interview one of my success students and okay. my brain. And see, so it's just a brilliant channel. So yeah, check it out, man. Good. Can you make a lease option offer to a homeowner that is represented by a realtor. Yeah, you, you can, Daniel, yes. In fact, my deal that I did was represented by a realtor. And what I did, and you need to check out the video on billion percent, but what I did was the realtor didn't want me to do the deal because he wouldn't have got his fee. Mm. So that's no, why I told the realtor that he can manage the property and keep the cash flow if he lets me do the deal. So it was through a realtor, but you just need to always be thinking what's in it for them. 
whenever you whenever you're doing business what's in it for the realtor what's in it for the seller what's in it for the you can in in the states daniel you can pretty much do anything so you can definitely do that would you say it's easier doing creative deals in the u.s or in the uk I think it's quite similar. So I looked into like HMOs, the regulations are pretty similar. Lease options are pretty similar. Uh, I'm not sure if you can, can you do rent to rents in, in the States where you rent something and then sublet it to yes. Airbnb or whatever, if you do it properly? Yeah, there's, um, yeah, if you could get a seller to agree to it, you know, there's a couple of things that you need in a contract to make it valid. You yeah, need some cool. kind of consideration, some kind of exchange. Um, you need signatures and an agreement of the minds, I think is what it's called, right? You need a so to rent. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, it's it's you can do rent to rent are good. I think it's quite similar. I think the, the thing that I noticed in the States, where I was anyway, because the States is saying the States is kind of silly because it's so massive, but where I was, I think there's massive opportunity for to buy a property, do it up, and then sell it. I was coming across people that had bought property and I couldn't get a deal from them because I'm trying to negotiate at least option on them and they just don't need my money. They just don't need my deal because they've bought a property for 16,000. They've spent 20,000 on it. So they put 36,000 in total and now it's worth like 80,000. I was seeing that and I know the stats because because I can see it on, on the, online because it's all public information and I was speaking to the seller about the work they've done. It's just insane. So it really gave me a bug to want to buy a property, do it up and sell it. I think there's, you make a lot more money doing that in the States than you would in England. Certainly at the moment, we're like Brexit and stuff and some of the uncertainty around that. So I think straight, depend, I think that it's probably similar. The opportunity in the States and in the UK is probably similar, depending on state, depending on strategy, but massive opportunity in both. And I can't wait to go and figure some stuff out in some other countries like Germany and Holland and South Africa, Australia. Um, I interviewed a guy, uh, Rick Ott, and we talked about him earlier. Yeah. Um, he was, when I last interviewed him, he was in Greece doing some deals in Greece. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it at first. I was thinking, like, you don't even speak Greek. How do you do deals? Like, you know, any of those obstacles that most people would be intimidated with and pull away from, you can make, you can make the choice. You can turn around and walk away or you can blast yeah. right through it. And yeah. uh, so he, he just brought a translator with him. He brought a solicitor or a, a, um, an agent, broker, whatever, in yeah. Greece, brought them with him and uh, just talked to people and was doing deals. So you're asking about rent to rent. Um, we might call it a master lease here in the U.S. where you, you get a property under a lease with the seller with the right to sublease it out to a tenant buyer. Um, yeah. A lot of people that are doing Airbnbs here have a similar agreement where they just you know, tell the seller, listen, I'll pay you the rent that you're asking for and I'll take care of all the maintenance and vacancies and repairs. You don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. Just let me turn around and do it on, do an Airbnb on it. And um, I have one student, this is so cool. I had one student negotiate with the seller to keep all of the furniture in the house. So the seller kept the furniture in the house. She's paying the seller full asking rent for three years. And that's all the seller wanted. You know, they just wanted to get somebody in the house and they knew it was going to take care of it. Within four days, so she's paying $1,250 a month in rent, $1,250 a month in rent. Within four days of putting it on Airbnb, she already had $1,245. Yeah, I can believe it. I see the same thing happening here all the time. It's incredible. The, and then the opportunity, the opportunity yeah. right now is so good. It's so good. good. So that's a great story.
I haven't seen a deal um, since it's like seen a house that I wholesaled since probably eight or nine years. And, and, and even when I was doing deals in my own backyard here in St. Louis, Missouri, I, 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 the house would be 30 minutes away and it was too far for me. I didn't want to go there. I, had to, I didn't have enough time. I was working my full-time job. I had my family and kids at home. Um, if I would have taken that drive out there, I would have gotten stuck on traffic on the way back. And so I just determined in my mind, you know what? I'm going to do these deals over the phone. And that's why I love lease options so much because, at least for me, it's so much easier to negotiate a lease option deal than a deep discount at 60, 65, 50 cents on the dollar yeah. for, a, for what we call a, a wholesale deal. But um, they're easier to negotiate over the phone. And so I'm telling you, a lot of people get intimidated by that. Like, how could I do a deal without ever going to look at the property? I think what Samuel just did was brilliant. He found somebody local there and he partnered with them. I do most of my deals now, we JV and partner with local realtors, local investors. Um, I've done deals in over 10 different states from four different countries while traveling. And it's all been by understanding marketing, getting the systems in place, getting a lot of virtual assistants to do that stuff for me, but then partnering with local boots on the ground people. Maybe it's a realtor, maybe it's a, another investor and joint venture with them on the deal. That way it, you can do way more deals and uh, it's a lot easier, a lot easier. One of, the, uh, one of the best things about doing that, by the way, too, is when you're partnering with somebody local, you can get access to their resources, their contracts, their, their um, solicitors, their attorneys, their title companies yeah. that can help you prepare the deal. If you had to borrow money, um, get property management, whatever. Yeah, that's there. One more question, and then we'll, we'll call it a day, Samuel. Where do you get negative equity leads? Where do you get them in England? In England, uh, what I do is I go on to Rightmove, which is a little bit like, what is it? What's the name of yours? Is it like Zillow or something? Zillow. Uh-huh. Zillow. Uh, Rightmove, which is the equivalent, so where you can where you list houses. And you can find properties. And then what you have to do is you have to find properties whereby they were bought, say, I don't know, 10 years ago, and the values have dropped. So if you can find, and, and you, this is all public information on, on Zillow or whatever these websites, depending on what country or state you're in. So if you can find a property whereby they bought it and now they're selling it for less, sorry, yeah, for less than they paid for it a long time ago, what, what that tends to mean is that, that, that unless they bought it cash, they'll have bought it with a mortgage. Let's say they put down tw- 20% deposit, 80% mortgage. If it's dropped, they've now got no equity at all. So, um, so that, that's, that's how I do it. And then I'll usually just send them a letter or, um, you yeah. know, post them a card or something and just say, Hey, I noticed that you're selling your property has been on a while. Would you be interested in, in a rent to buy type scheme where I can take over the uh, property, become the landlord and give you a fixed fee down the line, but give the market a chance to recover. If you're interested, give me a shout. Yeah, that's good. By the way, we don't say scheme here. That sounds a little spammy. How does it's it? Almost- <laughs> in England, we love the word scheme. Scheme. It sounds like it's sneaky or something. Like no, that. It, no, I think scheme sounds like quite um, official. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I you know, one, be- of the, one of the things I was going to say is really funny. Um, the, the guy that I coach with, my coaching business partner, his name is Gavin. Um, he's from England. He's been in the U.S. for maybe five, six, seven years. Um, yeah. He also sells a lot. He does a lot of deals with me. And um, it's funny. He tells the story. He's like, I, I don't want to go in these houses and look at them because if I did, 
I wouldn't know what I was looking at. Like he would yeah. have no idea. Yeah. It, it would actually be a hindrance to him too, mm -hmm. because he, he's, he doesn't know how much it costs to replace the flooring or what, uh, what is a good furnace or a bad furnace. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes being smart can actually hinder you and hold you back. I'll say one Sorry. thing real quickly on that, Joe. When I, when I do a lease option agreement deal, what, how, what I tend to do, negative equity leads are a few hours from my house. I don't view them either. I don't view them. I will find them online, send them a letter. They'll then phone me. I'll do the negotiations over the phone. Yes. And I'll take their word for it on the condition. So I'll say to them, look, what's the condition? Does it need work? What's the condition? Based on photos and their word, I'll take them at their word, but I'll tell them subject to. Yes. Then once I put them random and the heads of term signs, before I complete on the lease option, I'll get a survey on the property. It'll cost me 300 quid. I'll get a survey on the property. And then the surveyor will go around with a fine tooth comb and give me the accurate, this is the condition. And if then it's they've lied to me, I'll pull out of the deal and I've lost 300 quid and it's a pain. But the way that you position the conversation and stuff, usually they'll, they'll give you a pretty honest um, you know, description. But what I say, Joe, on that point is the surveyor is going to have a much better idea than I would have because I'm pretty good and pretty knowledgeable, but he has all his tools and stuff. You know, He goes around yeah. with, with all his damp measuring and all this stuff. So yeah. he's, he's going to have more of an idea. So people say, you can't. You bought, you bought it blind. I didn't buy it blind. I bought it educated based on what other people had told me who are actually more informed than I am. So I think that, yeah, it's a really, really good point, what you said. One of the things that we're doing is we're using what we call mobile notaries. So a notary is somebody that can go and get something officially signed and put yeah. a stamp on it. And so we're hiring these mobile notaries. Instead of getting these contracts signed electronically or digitally, we're sending the notary to the house. It only costs about 50 to 100 bucks. We're sending them to the house. They're getting the paperwork signed right then and there. And then they're mm -hmm. walking around the house taking pictures and filling out a report, sending it to us. But that, uh, that's another topic for another thing. All right. So, guys, you can get more information. Go to Samuel Leeds' YouTube channel at realestateinvestingmastery.com. I will have a link to these videos that we're talking about. You can go watch them, check them out, follow him on Facebook, follow him on YouTube. Um, I'm looking forward, Samuel, to getting to know you more helping you in any way I can Thanks, here man. in the States. And um, it's been a great podcast. I appreciate you sharing. I, you know what? I appreciate you having the, um, what's the politically correct, polite way to say it? The, uh, the, piece. the balls to come here to the U S and, and show us off. Like, listen, if this guy from England, who doesn't know how we do deals here can come to the U S and do deals. What's your excuse? Yeah. I love it. Thank you Thanks, for man. doing that. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you guys later. Again, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes, to get the links, and even get a transcript of this podcast as well. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.